Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. So I'm going to be turning in my Bible today to Romans chapter 12. I want to invite you to turn there with me. I'm going to be reading very possibly two of the most notable verses in all of the New Testament, Romans chapter 12, verse one and two. So once you find it, if you don't mind, please stand for the reading of the word. It's a tradition we love to honor here at Legacy. And we're gonna read Romans 12, one and two, out loud, all together as a family. So I wanna invite you, use your voices today. All right, y'all ready? Let's read it. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now that right there, that is like a rich T-bone steak. I mean, there is so much good stuff in those two verses of scripture. And if you are a vegan, that right there is like something that vegans eat (laughs) that I've never had, but probably to you is very juicy and delectable. But in the Bible here, these two verses of scripture are full of good stuff. And since it's so short and you don't have to stand very long, we're going to read it again. Okay. Verse one, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by what? So Paul is teaching us, I'm about to give you some encouragement. And as I do, I want you to receive my encouragement in light of the mercy of God. I want you to look through the lens of the great grace of Jesus Christ as you receive my encouragement because it's only by mercy are you gonna be able to obey my words. You with me? Somebody say, thank you for mercy. Look at your neighbor and say, there's mercy all over you. Oh, yeah, God's mercy is all on you today. In Jesus' name, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Say what? Holy and acceptable to God, which is your what? So you mean to tell me that God is saying to us how he likes to be worshiped? Very interesting. And let's just read verse two, even though I'm not gonna preach on it, it's just too good. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, how? By the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may be discerning what is the will of God, what is good, what is acceptable, and what is perfect. All right, the topic of the message today is living as a sacrifice. So I really want to talk about verse one, and I want to talk about living as a sacrifice. Let's pray, and then you can be seated. In Jesus' mighty name, we thank you for your word that is everlasting and eternal. God, we thank you that you are faithful, that every single time we open up the scriptures to get before you, you lay your hands on us, and you transform us more into your image. We bless you today in your holy, mighty name, Jesus. And the church said, amen. You can be seated. 
On your way to your seat, just ask your neighbor again, are you ready to become a sacrifice? I got to get you hyped today. I got to get you hyped today because after we intercede in here for the lost, we got to go home and intercede for the Titans. Hey, we, we pulled it off last week. Somebody in here needs to intercede for my fantasy football team. I'm telling you right now, I'm one, I'm one in five or something like that. I need some help, man. Yeah, that is, hey. Our prayer director, Todd Mendez, said that ends today. He drove a stake in the ground in the spirit. Bless God, there's a bloodline and hell shall not cross it. <laughs> Tell me you grew up in church without telling me you grew up in church. There's a bloodline and the, every demon in hell shall not cross it. Listen, I grew up with a praying church mama. Y'all don't know. We used to go and buy little uh, steaks from the Home Depot. We'd write scriptures on them and drive them into the four corners of the property. Hell ain't going to come in here. <laughs> Some of y'all need to do that at home. I'm telling you right now, you need to do that at home. You need to do that. Sometimes holiness looks weird. It's true. So we're in this series right now called uh, Consecration, and we are declaring that this church, Legacy Nashville, is a consecrated people. We want to be consecrated, and I know that's a biblical term, it's a religious term, and I read to you guys a ton of definitions of what consecration is biblically from multiple resources a couple of weeks ago, so I decided just to make my own definition of consecration. I amalgamated all the information from all the other definitions and I came up with my own. So this is the uh, Lyle Phillips version of the definition of consecration. Okay, so you guys know I like points. So I used two points to define the term. So consecration means, number one, to be separated from sin and the ways of the world. Point two, consecration means to be set apart as holy for relationship and service to God. Relationship and service. Amen? Relationship and service. And so consecration looks like this. Let me draw your attention to two words, from and for. Consecration looks like being pulled away from something and being set apart for someone. Who is that someone, church? Jesus, right? And so if you want a different picture, consecration looks like taking a pry bar and ripping you away from wickedness, ripping you out of a lifestyle of sinfulness, ripping you away from the ways and the customs of this world, which Paul tells us, don't be conformed to the ways of the world, be ye transformed, right, by the renewal of your mind. He's talking about a process of sanctification. He's talking about an intentional turning in consecration to someone. So we got the pry bar picture over here, and I'm going to give you a super glue picture over here. It looks like being coming to, being pressed together with, becoming inseparable with the power of God's goodness, grace, his holiness and being deeply, intimately connected to him in 
fellowship. That's what consecration looks like. It looks like intentionally, proactively uh, turning. You guys know that's what repentance looks like, by the way. We're not talking about a magic spell. It's not like abracadabra at the altar. I've repented. Now I can go out and do whatever I did before because God has forgiven me. That's not what repentance is. It is an act of consecration where we turn, we get pride apart from wickedness, evil, and sinfulness, and we turn to someone and we get consecrated in our relationship to God. Do, do, do we got consecration? That's what consecration is. And what Paul is teaching the Roman church in this passage is to live a consecrated life. He's saying, I appeal to you. You know, what's interesting about the word appeal is that it's a judicial term. Now, if you ever thought about that before, but to make an appeal is to ask for a revision of a previous judgment by a higher court. Woo! I'm in my bag today, Brian Nero. I don't know what it is, man. I'm just excited we dedicated some babies and I'm ready to make some appeals in Jesus' name. And so Paul says, let me appeal to you because see, you already know what it's like to receive judgment from the culture of the world. You already know what society tells you to do. So let me make an appeal to a higher court for a new version of what you believe to be true about your life. Did that make sense? Did that make sense? Did that make sense, Ronnie? And so he said, let me appeal to you by what? The mercy of God. God's so good, he's so gracious, it's possible for you. Let me appeal to you so that you can turn and that you can move into this consecrated life. Now, what does it look like to be consecrated? That's the question that the passage begs. And it looks like this, um, to live as a sacrifice. I, I know that like as church people, we're encouraged by that. Like sacrifice, yeah. Like we like these words, right? Because we sing these songs. You know, I was thinking about the Brandon Lake song this week. How's it go again? I'll give you all, give you all of my worship. Like, come consume it. Right? That's how it goes. That's how we sing it. Right, Todd? That's how Todd sings it. <laughs> That's what I like. I like that, bro. So we, we, we like as Christian people, as biblical people, we talk about sacrifice. Yeah, I know about sacrifice. I know about sacrifice. But when you look up the term sacrifice in the dictionary, guess what word is synonymous with sacrifice? Slaughtering. No, I'm good, actually, Paul. Thank you so much for the invitation. I appreciate the appeal by the mercy of God, but I think I'm gonna be all right. I'm gonna sit this one out because I don't want to be slaughtered, right? That's what it means to be a sacrifice. Like if you look up in the dictionary, what does it mean to be a sacrifice? It literally means to be slaughtered. And if you wanna, you know, dive deeper into it in a spiritual sense, it actually means to surrender. Everybody say surrender. surrender. Your life to God as an offering, as an offering. So you know how we, we passed the bucket? We used to, 2020 took that away, but we used to pass the bucket and use it. 
I'm gonna give an offering, right? So Paul's like, listen, y'all been giving offerings for a really long time. Today, you know, we put a little USD in there. In the Old Testament, they put a a goat in there. And in the New Testament, uh, Jesus is like, I want you to jump in the bucket yourself, right? He said, I've already had... Like, I, I, I appreciate the, the, the finances that you've sown, but I'd like you personally, yes, you, your whole person, to get in the bucket. That's the kind of sacrifices that I'm looking for. So, you know, that's how we hear it today. I think about how Paul's um, letter may have been received by the people who read it in the church at Rome. Now, Rome was sort of a, a, a melting pot of culture and society. And so there were all kinds of people from all kinds of different backgrounds that were there. But one of the things that I learned as I studied the common culture of Rome was that there were actually a lot of Jewish people that would have heard this letter whenever it was read aloud for the first time. And so I thought about how a Jewish person may have heard what Paul was saying. I beseech thee, Therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present yourself as a living sacrifice. I think about that word sacrifice and a Jewish hearer may have listened and heard the word sacrifice and immediately been reminded of burnt offerings. Because see, they grew up around temple worship. And so when you start talking about sacrifice, you know, for us as church people, we think about, you know, songs and you, you talk about sacrifice in other contexts. Maybe you think about animals being slaughtered. But, you know, for, for a Jewish person, it, it, meant, it meant both. It, 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 they were remembering what it was like to give unto God burnt offerings because in Old Testament times, those were the types. So everybody say types. It's going to be important in a minute. Types of offerings that God desired. That's what God wanted. Um, God had a, a right way that he wanted to be worshiped. And he said, this is the right way, meaning this is the righteous way to worship me. I want you to bring me some burnt offerings. Now, in the Old Testament, burnt offerings were given for two purposes. Number one, they were given as an act of thanksgiving. We praise you, God. We thank you for your goodness, God. We're going to offer up a burnt offering. Secondly, they were given when there was sin in the camp and they wanted to atone for the sin. God, forgive us. We're going to offer you a burnt offering. And so they would be reminded of this. A burnt offering in the Old Testament was always an animal. It was always brought to God by its owner. It was always given to the priest at the temple. The priest then would slaughter it there publicly and then they would burn it on the altar as an act of worship unto the Lord. Okay, so just giving you some context for what a burnt offering looks like. In Psalm 51, the psalmist says, you delight in right sacrifices. Not wrong sacrifices, right sacrifices, righteous sacrifices. You delight in right sacrifices in burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings whole burnt offerings. God said, no, no, I don't want your leftovers from last night. Don't portion it off from me whenever you come to worship me in an act of thanksgiving or in an act of repentance. I want you to bring me the whole offering. 
Don't slice it off for me, fam. Bring me the whole thing. God enjoyed these type of sacrifices. Not only did he desire to receive these type of sacrifices, but he also had a requirement for how these types of sacrifices had to be given. Remember what Psalm 51 says, God delights in right sacrifices. How many of you guys know God has a right way? God has a right way. We don't tell him how we'd like to sacrifice. God tells us how he likes his sacrifices. That's one of the things about sacrificing. You don't get to pick the sacrifice. Oh, I think I'm gonna go ahead and give God this thing because I'm not using it anymore. No, no, God has a way that he wants his sacrifices. In fact, these ways were so important that whenever God gave his people the law, and when I say the law, I don't just mean like the Old Testament, the way that we think about it. I'm talking about the law, literally the law of the nation. All right? So when he gives them the book of Leviticus, you ever read that before? That's a tough one to get through during the Bible reading plan every year, isn't it? He gives them Leviticus, Leviticus chapter one. How does it start? They open the book of the law in Leviticus and God says, here's how I want my burnt offerings. That's the first thing that God opens up with. When you come to give me a sacrifice, here's how I want it. So I made a list of how God wanted his burnt offerings in the Old Testament to give us, what I'm trying to do here is I'm gonna give you a little etymology. Is that how you say that word, Michelle? It's good. I'm from Kentucky, Um, sounds right, Um, of what a sacrifice is. And you start studying things conceptually in the New Testament, you need to go back and understand, what is God talking about? You with me? And so the first thing is this, is that uh, God wanted the offering to be whole. We've already hit on that, but God doesn't want your half portions. He wants the whole thing. That's Deuteronomy 33. In fact, the earliest definition of burnt offering was actually the word whole or complete, all right? So that's the first one, God wanted the offering whole. Number two, the offering had to be personal. You couldn't give what belonged to somebody else. You couldn't like borrow your friend's offering and say, could I give this to God as a sacrifice? Nope, that's not what God desired and that's not what God required. The offering had to cost you something, not your friend something. The offering had to cost me something, not my dad something. I had to bring what belonged to me. It it, it hits all of us, right? So it's like, no, I gotta bring what's personal. I can't bring what belongs to somebody else. The offering also had to be my best. My best, so that meant no blemishes on the animal. You couldn't bring your wounded animal. You couldn't bring your sick animal. You couldn't bring your old animal. You had to bring your best animal as a sacrifice because God requires our sacrifices to be our best, all right? The offering also must arrive alive. No dead, unusable, carcasses were acceptable. It wasn't like, ah, this thing don't have no more life in it. I found it in the field dead. I think I'm gonna offer that unto the Lord as an offering. God says, nope. 
I don't want some leftover carcass. I want you to arrive alive with your best and I want you to offer unto me the whole thing. That's how I want my sacrifice. Also, God wanted the offering brought to his house. You know what that means? No backyard barbecues. Because God wanted that. And you couldn't do it in private and you couldn't do it secretly. So when somebody said you've been making sacrifices recently, well, yeah, of course I have. I've been doing it in the backyard in the privacy and the comfort of my own home. No, no, no. And we're going to have a little accountability for the sacrifice. If you're going to belong to the people of God, you're going to sacrifice publicly. You're going to be a part of this family. You're going to bring your best too. I'm bringing my best. You better bring your best. I'm bringing my whole thing. You better bring your whole thing. You with me? That's the way he wanted his worship. All of this, God says, brought a pleasing aroma unto himself. And it was consecrated worship. And then lastly, however, burnt offerings given in the wrong spirit were never received by God because God has always wanted our, hand, our heart more than he's wanted what's in our hands. He wants our heart. And so imagine, so, so think about the Hebrew hearers. They're listening to Paul's letter being read out loud. And they're hearing the Apostle Paul encourage them by the mercy of God, become a living sacrifice. Maybe that conjured up this list of what a burnt offering looks like. And they're thinking, okay, I know about sacrifice. I know about surrender. I know about slaughtering. I know what this looks like in my context, but you're telling me now that what God wants is no longer a burnt offering, but he wants a living sacrifice. You're telling me that God no, want, no longer wants my livestock. He wants my life. So in the Old Testament, whenever an animal was given in worship, they had to die. But in the New Testament, whenever we give ourselves in worship, God wants us living. He wants us alive. He wants us filled with the Spirit. He wants us vibrant. He wants us passionate. That is the type, everybody say type, type. of sacrifice that God wants today. Are you with me? You seeing it? So what Paul's hitting on is he's saying, listen, there is a type of sacrifice that God desires. It's different than what you've heard about in the past. It's different than what you think it might be. He wants you to present your body, your body. Hold on, wait, what? I thought God just wanted my spirit. I thought he just wanted me to be like, I repent, you know. So I can go to heaven when I die and I give my soul, I give my spirit, amen. I get to go to be with him in eternity. No, no, I want your body. I want your mind. I want your physical flesh. I want your thoughts. I want your schedule. I want your time. I want your desires. I want your thoughts. I want your whole in the bucket. I want the whole thing. Present your bodies, church, as a living sacrifice that is holy and acceptable. I got two points for you today. Number one is this. Give to God your physical body as a whole offering. This is what it looks like to be a living sacrifice. That you give to God your whole body as a whole offering. God doesn't want you in portions. 
Well, I'm gonna give God my Sunday. God doesn't want you in portions. Well, I'm gonna give God 18 hours a day, but nine o'clock p.m., that's me time, Lord. I'm gonna do what I want. I'm a good person. I'm a decent dad. No, no. God said, I want the whole schedule. I want all of who you are. Yeah, but what about once a month on Friday night when I go out with the boys? No, no, I want that day too. What about once a month when I go out to brunch with the girls at Restoration Hardware and I get lit on mimosas and I start gossiping? Yeah, no, no. God said, I'm going to get that time too. I want the whole thing. I want all of it. I want the whole offering. Somebody said, triggered. No, I'm just kidding. Here's what God wants. God wants everything about you, both physical and metaphysical, right? So that means your internal, your external, every, your external, your, 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 your inside and your outside. He wants the whole nine, all right? He also wants my actual physical flesh. This thing right here, like what we have. Uh, is there anything that we can offer God more holistic than our bodies? Because our bodies are symbolic of our whole person. It's what you see. It's the tangible that represents the intangible on the inside. My soul, my mind, my spirit, right? My body is a symbol of all of those things. So whenever Paul says, I want you to put your body on the altar, he's saying your body brings along with it everything about you. That's why it's one of the premier ways of our worship because it's the most tangible way that we get to offer sacrifices unto the Lord and we can't hide. Oh yeah, I'm totally walking with the Lord. Hmm. You've been doing some backyard barbecuing. Y'all picking up what I'm putting down. Huh, okay. We're going to hold you accountable. We're going to need you at the house of the Lord. We're going to need you to bring that sacrifice to the priest, the high priest, who is Jesus. And don't be bringing in no leftovers and don't be bringing in no half portions. God wants everything. He wants the whole person. That's why uh, Jesus said, I can um, agree with, with the guy who responded. Here, here, here's the most important way to summarize all of the law. All of the law. Here, here's how he summarized it. You shall love the Lord your God, with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, all of your strength. What is he saying? Oh, I want the whole thing. And he said, this is how you summarize what? The law. Wow, this is good. This is deep. Hey, if you want to know about all of my commandments, you want to go ahead and just cover everything? Well, give me all of that. Yep, that's it, Lord. I surrender. I'm a living sacrifice. Come and slaughter me in the spirit. Here I am, Lord. It might get a little bit messy. I might look a little funky. It might seem strange to my friend group, but I'm going to be a living sacrifice because it's what God wants. Reminder, we don't get to tell God what kind of sacrifices that we'd like to make. God tells us how he likes his sacrifice. You ain't going to convince God that he wants a steak any other way. Like I try to do with my wife. You like it medium rare. I, I, I kind of like medium. No, you love. I'm like, 
Taste that. You love, you're going to love it. She's like, stop doing this to me, right? But some of us do that to the Lord. Oh, you, you like the sacrifice like this, don't you? I don't like it like that. You're giving me a half portion. Yeah, but you totally like whenever I come to church on Sunday morning, despite the fact that I spent all of Saturday night getting high. No, that's not the way, it, that, I don't like it like that. I, I want, I appreciate the Sunday morning. I'm glad that you're here. I'm so thankful you made it here. But I want the Saturday night too. Hold on, wait, I didn't, I didn't go out. I didn't get high. I just binge watched terrible TV shows. I, I want that stuff too. Hold on, what does that have to do with heaven? Well, it has everything with me getting heaven into you. It has everything with our relationship. It has everything to do with our intimacy. Get this, church. It has everything to do with your consecration. I'm consecrated. I, I don't... God tells us how he likes his sacrifice. I don't tell him how I like the sacrifice. And so everybody has to make a decision. The first decision you got to make is you have to decide to build an altar before the Lord with your life. And you have to choose a time that you're going to get up on that altar. I'm going to climb up on that thing and I'm going to lay down. And I'm going to say, okay, cords of love, come bind me. Because that's the only thing that will keep you. And then say, come on, fire of God and burn up everything in me that does not bring you glory. Even if it doesn't fit in my theological framework, Lord, if you want it, I say yes. Even if I don't think it's an issue of salvation, God, if you want it, it's an issue of relationship. I say yes. That's what it looks like to stay in that bucket. Like I'm, oh, I'm in the bucket. I'm going to have my arm out of the bucket. No, 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 no. Lord didn't say he wanted all the chicken but the wing. But <laughs> I just, I, I, I'm feeling, I'm feeling uh, froggy. I don't know. I'm feeling filled. Hey, um, here's what I know though. We tend to give our bodies to everything but God. Give our spirit, our soul, our mind. Yeah, I give my intellect to the Lord. You know, I do my devotionals. I read the Bible. Um, we give our bodies to everything but God. What's interesting is that we'll actually give our body to our spouse and not to the Lord. That's also interesting. And if you read in 1 Corinthians, you'll see that Paul actually tells us that the body, when you are married, no longer belongs to you. The husband's body belongs to the wife and the wife's body belongs to the husband. So you guys are going to remind one another of that today, this afternoon, aren't you? Hey, pastor said... Your body belongs to me. But, but, but some of us will give our bodies to our spouses before we'll give our bodies to the Lord. And don't we know that marriage, God says himself, is a representation of the connection that the bridegroom has with us, the church, as his bride. Look at your neighbor and say, he wants your body. I, I know that seems weird to say to one another in church. But he wants the whole thing, the whole thing, right? And why, do, why is it that we hold back our bodies? Because we fear being denied pleasure. As if climbing up on the altar of sacrifice with your body 
is not the ultimate symbol of being a pleasure seeker. Oh, no, 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 no. Holiness, that's, that's, that's a dry duty. That, that, that doesn't make no sense. I mean, holiness, that's, that's too much. That's, that's traditionalism. Hol- no, that's fundamentalism. That's a ism. That's a schism. That's a weird thing. That's religion. No, no, actually, I'm actually, the, I'm actually an ultimate pleasure seeker because I know what God tells me in Psalm 16. He says, uh, at his right hand, in the presence, there's joy. And at his right hand, there's pleasures forevermore. So the more I abandon myself as a living sacrifice and worship to the Lord, the more pleasure that I'm going to experience from God's perspective. There's a difference in fun and spiritual pleasure. And God has something more for you. I got to quote C.S. Lewis real quick. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We're half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex, ambition when infinite joy is offered us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. We are far too easily pleased. All right, let me give you point two and get out of your way. Number two, enjoy your abundant life in God. An acceptable sacrifice isn't dead. And I've I've already been hitting on it now for the last little bit. But we are expected by the Lord to walk in the abundance of life that Jesus paid for on the cross so that we could live out that experience. Do we really believe that Jesus went through all that he went through so that he could save us and we could live a life as Christians bored out of our minds? No, no, he don't, want the, he don't want a dead sacrifice, church. He wants a living sacrifice. He wants us to be alive with the joy of the Lord and the fruit of the Spirit, living a life of adventure and, and, and surrender and, and witnessing the power of God. I want to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of living. He's called us to live for him, not just die for him, but to live, to live a fruitful life, to live a vibrant life. And Being a living sacrifice, 1 John 5 and 3 says, for this is the love of God that you keep his commandments. And guess what? His commandments are not burdensome. Come on, that's revelation for somebody in the room today. His commandments are not burdensome. What does the word burdensome mean? It means oppressive. The picture is a weight coming on you. Oh, I'm walking in the commandments of the Lord. I'm just weighed down. No, he said himself, if I give you a command, you obeying it is a manifestation of your love for me. And guess what? It's never going to weigh you down. Being a living sacrifice always going to lift you up. I don't want a burnt offering anymore. I don't want a, a dead portioned out carcass. I want a church that's alive, vibrant with the spirit, enjoying their life in God, doing all that God has for us to do. We are alive in Christ Jesus. Therefore, we are living sacrifices consecrated for Christ Jesus. Can somebody shout hallelujah? Thanks for tuning in to the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.